Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me for our Monday mailbag episode is Shay Dixon. Shay, how you doing? How you feeling? Feeling good. Got to go to the Saints game yesterday. That was fun. Um, obviously, the Bengals won. Uh, Joe to Jamar at the end, but good time nonetheless as a Saints fan. It was a uh, Packed environment, a lot of Joey B and number one jerseys out there, but uh, but hey, that's they're long gone. We're here to talk about the uh, the guys that are on the team, and yes. I would say that I ran into a lot of LSU fans in the dome. A couple of members of the site, shout out to the guys who hollered at me. Um, but boy, everybody was wearing a smile because LSU whooped up on Florida, forty five thirty five. How about that, Matty B? Yeah, I mean, uh, we did our post-game podcast on Saturday night, posted it Sunday morning. Uh, that got, I think it was over 2,000 views last night. So really appreciate all the support, um, subscribing, liking the video, all that stuff. Helps us out as we continue to grow this uh, channel. I mean, heck, we've only been here for what, two months at this point now. So um, it's been great uh, to uh, have all that support from y'all. So we got a lot of questions from the board, as always. Um, I tried to to put in the um, initial post to be like, leave it to one or two questions, you know, and uh, try to keep everything clean and we can get through this in a timely fashion um, this time around. So you ready to get this thing started? Let's rock. Let's do it. All right, LSU Dallas with the first question here. Do you think uh, Brian Kelly will make a coaching adjustments after this year, even though it's only year one? 
we've talked about this a bit. Uh, we we both believe uh, Denbrock is going to be back. Uh, we thought that even obviously when it was not looking good offensively, and then he puts up 45 points. And I think the offense is starting to come together more. I never thought there was a doubt. Um, I just think as a first-year coach, unless if something is egregiously wrong, um, then – or if a coach gets hired away, you know, that's always something as well. That's a possibility that we don't really consider too often, but there's possibility coaches get hired away for, for different jobs. So um, unless if one of those things happens, then I think they're going to have pretty much the same staff moving forward into year two, just because I think you want that continuity. This is a Brian polling question, isn't it? Because probably nobody, I, I said this after the pod and uh, or after the game on the pod, uh, and I think I repeated in in my article at no point in that game, Maddie B, Florida game, where LSU's putting up 45 and scoring on their touchdowns on their first six possessions, did anybody say, "Well, Mike Denbrock's offense can't work in the SEC. Mike Denbrock's offense can't work at LSU. Mike Denbrock can't, uh, you know, offense doesn't work for this team. Whatever it might be." So. Kudos to them on that side of the ball. They executed. If this is a Polian question. Again, I'm not on the fire anybody midseason train. Do I think special teams could get better? Of course. They say it. We all watch the team. Anyone listening to this watches the team enough to know it. I mean, Greg McElroy has called three or four games and said during the broadcast, he was like, I've never seen an LSU special teams unit that like team consistently across the board have this many issues. So if this is a polling question, I don't, I mean, no, I don't think midseason anything is going to happen. And I think that. You look at his track record, or not track record, just time spent with Brian Kelly. He's as close as on to any coach on the staff to Kelly. So that all rests in the hands of Kelly. He's got a lot of experience being a special teams coach. You would hope that – and the guy's been a special teams coach for more than 20 years. Can he catch the ball for Jack Besh? No. Can he coach up different things better? Sure. Is all of the onus on him? No, I mean, but as a position coach, that happens when the teams, if the team stinks, people are going to say the head coach is no good, right? Like yeah. that's just, you take blame for your position unit. Brian Pulling has been in it long enough to know that. I'm curious how they look on the back half of the season because huge, Ramos, huge 45, 47 yard field goal to win. I mean, to yeah. ice it. I mean, basically not to win it, but ice it. Yeah. I mean, he can't catch it for Jack Besh. So quit, quit putting Jack Besh out there. I mean, I'm quit giving up long punt returns in the opening kickoff. That was egregious on coaching to me. It's like you've got kick it out of the end zone every time. So yeah. I don't know. Still, still some questionable stuff for me there. But no, I think for the sake of continuity, they want as many people from the staff as they can have to continue on. Yeah. I mean, if Odell Beckham Jr. was back there returning punts and kicks off kickoffs, I mean, how much would we be talking about special teams? Probably not very much after the first game. So um, Nola Tiger asked, any knowledge of what might have changed in game planning during preparation for Florida? It seems like they were very different game planning, calling of plays. Thanks. Uh, we talked a little bit about the play calling felt more aggressive. I, I really want to give credit to Jaden Daniels. I, I didn't feel like going back and watching it. I watched it this morning. Um, I didn't feel like it was a huge change in scheme and uh, play calling as much as it was Jaden Daniels kind of being on time, on target, and like I said last podcast, aggressive. So I think the throws that he was making, he wasn't making before. And so 
And I mean, there were a little bit more designed runs, which I actually liked because I think just having him as a scrambler, you kind of limit what he does as a runners, but the RPOs were there. Um, the, the quarterback draws, even though they're not the most effective things at times, they, they worked and I just want to give credit to Jay Daniels. So wait, what was the question here? Did anything change or was that? Yeah. Did anything change game planning wise and calling a place? Um, I think that they certainly showed more of an emphasis on the wide receivers getting the football. Yeah. Like, I don't think that they overhauled the offensive scheme overnight, but Mason Taylor, who is your target leader almost every game, drops down to one target and he caught it. Cole Taylor had two targets. He caught them both. So your tight ends, not as heavily in, as involved in the past game as they were before. Wide receivers, much more involved. I thought Jaden just threw it more. I He let Brian Thomas go make two plays. Um, Road Kayshawn, you know, smart, waited, had his time in the pocket. Shout out O-line. I think they've got – it's so funny to me. Like, sometimes uh, – like, they did a lot in pass, but I still wonder, like, there's times where they're just not very good in the run blocking game, which I would think that they'd be further along in that than pass pro. Um, especially with kind of a makeshift offensive line. So still some question marks there, but overall I thought that I thought they just executed. I mean, and Jaden threw it downfield and let his receivers go make plays. And that was, and they caught it. I mean, when you start to get into a rhythm, your offense is going to look different and more efficient. It wasn't, they didn't throw in a new playbook out there. They just actually executed the things that are being called. And then you start to do more of that. Yeah. Uh, also, I, I did notice there were a lot of hitch and comeback routes mm-hmm. uh, that they executed on that the time was there on. So um, that kind of speaks to what I was saying about being on time and on target. So um, those are nice ways of moving the chains as well. All right. Just 2152 asked, um, take Williams' long run away set last Saturday and the running game doesn't look near as good and it struggles all year. Do you think it's more of a scheme play calling issue or offensive line issue? Um I thought the I thought the run game was fine uh, against Auburn. I thought the run game was fine this past week. Tennessee obviously struggled, but Brian Kelly said they fell behind. Um, I don't think the run game has been a, a strength this season, but it's done what they've needed it to do. It's come through in big moments. Josh Williams breaking that run was big. Uh, Daniel being more as a um, as a designed runner is big. John Emery looking better is big. So I, I think they're making strides and I think they've been fine this year. I don't, I wouldn't say they've been bad. Uh, I mean, I don't mind what he's doing here about taking away the Josh Williams run because we played that game right on the defensive side. Like if yeah. they didn't have the Anthony Richardson big run. If they didn't pop off that huge pass to start the game, like the defense played well, they only had two sustained drives for touchdowns. So I don't think it's unfair to say, hey, without that Josh Williams run, where would the running run game be? But then again, I think you take the Josh Williams run out. I mean, he was averaging 7.6 yards a carry in large part because of that. He rushes for 14 for 56. That's over three yards a carry uh, if you take that 50-yard run out. Uh, Daniel's about three yards a carry. John Emery, 3.9 yards a carry on eight touches. So, like, I thought the run game was a little better, obviously, than it was against Tennessee when it was non-existent. But I think the run game also will be probably this year, this is just my opinion, that it'll be like the 
Auburn game in a sense. Like, I think their run game is more can you lean on it to put a team away at the end? Not can you lean on it to win you the game from start to finish? Like, they're going to have to do that with Daniels in the passing attack. I think more so the running game is when we need you and we're calling on you late in the game, can you deliver us three, four, five-yard runs? Can you move the chains? Uh, and I think Josh Williams did a great job of that and has done a great job of that. Yes, I, I 100%. Um, I definitely agree with you. Uh, I don't think I, – I thought the game that they were going to – I thought this Florida game would be – if there was any game that there would be – where they run the ball consistently and try to wear down an opponent. I thought it was this Florida game, but obviously they didn't need to do that with the way that J.T. threw the ball, though. Because Florida entered the game, I think it was 13th in rushing EPA. Uh, so, and, and one of the best pass defenses in the SEC. Yeah, much better pass defense than, than rush defense uh, Florida was, so it didn't matter. All right, uh, the next question is something that was talked about a lot on our board. Was Brian Kelly calling plays? And I don't uh, maybe on we're recording this Monday morning, and uh, obviously Brian Kelly has his press press conference at noon. Maybe somebody will ask him this, but um, was Brian Kelly calling plays? And to me, I, I've always been of when everybody's getting on Mike Denbrock, I was like, you know, it's kind of a two person system here. This isn't just the Mike Denbrock offense here. Brian Kelly clearly has a hand in this, um, and I, that's what I'll say about this. While before Brian Kelly even addresses, I think this is a two-man offense. This is Brian Kelly, and this is um, Mike Denbrock, and I think they have plenty of input from others. But So maybe some things change, but I'm going to stick with what I said earlier in that I think they just started executing a lot better. I think this is all born out of people seeing that – like, let me see. Like, okay. Like, he had, like, a little – Played that like you know it wasn't like a big index card you know like a big laminated thing yeah. that has all your plays but he had like his little cheat sheet and was like looking at it often during the game and talking to Denbrock but no I think like if if Brian Kelly were calling the plays and Denbrock wasn't doing anything Brian Kelly would have had some play sheet where nonstop he's calling you know yeah like Andy Reid saying what it is yeah right. no I I to me that looked more like a combination of them saying, Hey, look, we're condensing the playbook in a sense. And then Kelly, I think probably having some things and who even knows if these are plays, these could be down and distance situations. These could be things we want to get to. These could be, um, you know, if we're off schedule, here's a player two I like. Yeah. So like, Analytic I think it's something. Yeah. I think it could have been a lot of just like, Hey, I'm, I'm already hearing it on the headsets. We're talking about it. I'm getting glimpses of things I wanted to do, and that's kind of it. I don't think, I don't think he was calling plays, but I don't. I'm with you that I think that they probably go into every game with Denbrock and Kelly on the same page of what they want to be called. So no, I don't think he was calling plays. I think Denbrock called the plays. I just think that Kelly was paying attention to it in a sense of kind of had his little cheat sheet out and yeah. giving his two cents. All right. Who um, Roy Hobbs asked, who will be our returners, specifically punt returner against Ole Miss? I'll I'll let you take a shot at this first because I don't fully know. Um, well, we don't know the status of Jack Bash. We'll find that out this week. Um, I guess it would be surprising if he's dropped a couple of now and they're putting him back out there again. Do you go back to neighbors at all, which I would have done a long time ago? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm also not here to bash any kids. Like I don't. 
if Greg Clayton can do it, great. I don't think that that should be your best option, but I don't get to watch him every day at practice. I don't know. I'm putting, if I'm the coaching staff, I'm putting someone, someone back there that actually did it in camp, which Jack Besh didn't do, and that can just catch the football. And that's it. And on kickoffs, I, I wouldn't even be catching the football on kickoffs. Just let it go. Yeah. Punts, punts put out there, someone who either waves it off or can just fair catch or just catch it. Yeah. I mean, I think the Sage Ryan ship has, has sailed. Uh, I feel like they would have done that already. Um, but he was talked about earlier in the year. I think Brian Kelly brought him up uh, briefly or, and then it just never happened. So, I well, mean, I think- and Javen was a kid, a walk on receiver out of New Orleans who in camp was returning punts, but we've never actually seen him in a game, you know, do anything of note in the return game. So, I, I don't know the answer to that question because Jack Besh said that Brian Polian just came up to him on like a Tuesday and was like, Hey, man, do you want to try out being the punt returner? Of course I do. All right, we're going to put you back there this week in practice. So, I don't know. I think they're going to have to figure that out in practice this week. Yeah, I I don't have a great answer for it. If it was me, I mean, like you said, we probably would have gone back to Malik earlier in the year. Just to, the, the Southern game didn't make sense why he wasn't returning punts and why Greg Clayton was returning no. punts, but we can we can harp on that for forever. <laughs> um, okay, next question. Uh, Musky Tiger, just my gut feeling, but it seemed like a lot more 11 sets with three receivers in the game than past ones with multiple tight ends. Did you notice that as well? And did you think it impacted the offensive explosion in space for Boutte? Also, if it did happen more often, was this Florida defense related and more adjustment or more a, a adjustment in Denbrock's calling? Um, I, I think they've, I thought it was a normal amount of 11 personnel because. I've actually asked Brian Kelly about this a couple of occasions. I thought he was getting annoyed with me, but they do do 11 as their base personnel set. And I thought it was the same amount. I, I have noticed, I feel like they've gone to Cole Taylor less as the seasons progressed. Um, not even just as a passer, just as an overall you know, blocker player, whatever you want to say. But um, yeah, I thought it was the normal amount of 11 personnel watching it back. And um, I I know one play they were in 11 personnel, and they false started, and Brian Kelly about they were, ripped Cole Taylor's head off on the They had play. Cole Taylor and Nick Storrs on the field for that one, um, I believe, right on the same side. So I think it was like – I think it was a jumbo – I don't know what it was, but they were both I, on the field, and then they – I'm not even sure if Cole Taylor was the one who false started. He might have been, but he wasn't the one that got called for it. They were both – I thought him and Nick Storrs were, were, were both both jumped both right there so yeah that was a interesting play so all right halfway through year two you can say the name if you find it okay uh, you read the question i'll go find the uh halfway the through year two is there a chance sage ryan is just not that good with all the help we need in secondary you think he'd be contributing more but he just looks like a liability when he's out there um i don't i don't know um that's a tough question because I don't, I definitely don't want to write him off a year and a half into his career. Um, I mean, even though he was obviously a super highly rated guy coming out of high school, uh, I think he's fine. I think it's just finding a place where he fits is the hard part, and that was the tough part. Maybe coming out of high school, I didn't, you know, do his evals. I wasn't here, but it's tough when he's not the biggest guy. He's not the run stopping guy. He's not the pure coverage guy. He's not Greg Brooks that can make plays. He's just kind of good. He's just kind of really good at everything. He's a really, really good athlete. 
but I feel like they haven't found a place for him yet. But I think he can grow into that plate, into that role. Like maybe he can grow into a, um, I'm not even going to say Greg Brooks type role because maybe that's asking too much, but a major Burns. Like why could he not grow into a major Burns type player? Like that's very attainable for him. So uh, I'm not writing him off a year and a half into his career. But um, yeah, I think it's just fine figuring out where he fits. I mean, he's playing a lot as a as a true sophomore, and you don't see that all the time. So no, yeah, and you're right to say a year and a half into a career, and being the first year, he didn't even play a ton. So really, this is his first time being out there a lot. You're going to take some bumps along the way there. I've always thought he was a nickel. Now, yeah, we'll see kind of how that plays out, but. Even right when he got to campus, they put him as a backup nickel. So I think that's what he is. But again, right now you're patchworking the secondary. So you'll take a good player from anybody you can get. I do not think he's a bad player. I don't think at this stage of the career there's any expectation that he can be like some great player. But I think he's got a lot of time left. So that's more than okay. Yeah. It looks like that was Almirante maybe. I don't know. He can tell us on the board. Uh yeah, that's right. We, we love butchering our subscribers' uh, usernames. It's it's great. Um, let's see. You want to take the next one? Uh, who's Ciceroni? Uh, how much confidence does this give him? And what's up with BK having the call sheet again? I don't know if that was even a call sheet or if that was a situational type thing, or just had some stuff written down, or analytics, or whatever it might have been. If that was a call sheet, it was the size of a Mike Leach call sheet. I mean, that was an index card that he was holding. That wasn't some laminated yeah, looked, big call sheet. Yeah, that looked like in college whenever – or high school, probably high school, whenever they said you could use a um, an index card for, for your test, and I just tried to fit everything on there. And yeah, unless like, Brian Kelly had everything written like so small on there that everything fit and he's got really <laughs> great eyes. Um, that how, much confidence does the, how much confidence does this give them is a good question, though. That's a – that's an a interesting. Lot. I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, a lot offensively, especially because coming off of the Auburn and Tennessee games, as an offense, they were definitely like, you know, we have to figure this out. They were calling players only meetings. They were trying to figure everything out. Um, so offensively, I think this puts them, you know, over the moon. I mean, if you're Jaden Daniels at this point, you just had three touch, three rushing and three passing touchdowns each. And so, uh, from Jaden's perspective, I think we'll see him continue to to grow. Uh, Boutte, obviously. Um, will continue to to have confidence. I don't think he ever lacked that, but it was just, uh, you know, getting the opportunities. So, yeah, from a receiver standpoint, from quarterback standpoint, I think everybody from a play calling standpoint, I think everybody's feeling good at this point offensively. And uh, defensively, maybe not as much, but, you know, nah. you, have, you have Ole Miss coming up, so I don't know how confident you can ever be playing against Lane Kiffin, but it'll be interesting. And defense, to me, more often than offense, the guys carry confidence no matter what. Even if it's false confidence at times, like defenders think that everything's fine, that they're good, right? So I don't really ever worry about the mental state of that side of the ball. The offense you noted, special teams, Ramos has got to be feeling good hitting a 47-yarder when they really weren't even going to him for chip shots. They were trying just to go for fourth and short instead. Um, I think coaching staff wise, you take some positivity out of this of, hey, we're going in the right direction. But for me, more so than anything to answer that question, Matty B, it would be this team still has a lot to play for. And I don't mean that in the sense of like competing for a national championship, but like 
They're going to be ranked again, probably. They've now got a chance to finish with more than the expected seven wins. And if this were a team that was four and three, and then you're like, man, are they about to be 500 when they lose to Ole Miss? And then you're four and four, and then you're kind of the mood of the team probably then comes into like a little bit of a worry spot where you're like, oh man, hopefully Brian Kelly can keep them together again. You know, they're 500 again and going into the month of November. So I think more so than anything, being five and two gives them a confidence that, Hey, we're moving forward and there's a lot of positives left and we're not sitting here like fighting for our lives. Yeah, I mean, they were ranked 20, was it 27 in the AP poll? So two two spots outside of the top 25. Uh, I don't, I didn't see the coaches poll, I don't believe. But yeah, I it doesn't matter. Put, yeah, I also don't put really any stock into the coaches poll. Um, um, I know CBS see. had them 24th. So, you know, they're they're right on the fringe, fringe over there um, as far as rankings go, just because you brought yeah, that up. interesting. And I think that's fair too. I mean, yeah. anything after 20 something would be all right. Uh, Mr. Virgo, you want to take this one? How did the secondary, how do you think the secondary is playing? So this is maybe a general question. Yeah, we also have a, I know we have a Makai Garner question down there, but I mean, so we'll, I'll address that later too. But like Makai Garner's not even getting thrown at really for a lot of these. Uh, but then in the second, and then in, uh, in zone, I thought they're holding up really well um, as far as making plays on the ball. There were a lot of times where Anthony Richardson was sitting back there with time and LSU was in his zone and, he couldn't find anybody. I remember one of the instances, I believe it was third down. He was sitting back there, sitting back there, pumping, and then checked down to the running back, and they did a great job gang tackling um, on that play because they were in a zone. So uh, I think the secondary has done really well. Uh, obviously, Jay Ward had those two penalties that were inexcusable, but you know, as far as on the field play goes and not extracurriculars, I think he's been good. I think uh, we didn't even hear Colby Richardson's name, which was – player that I was most hesitant about um, after the last two games of Mississippi State and uh, between Mississippi State and Tennessee he was the one I thought struggled the most we didn't hear his name at all against Florida so that's a good thing Ole Miss will probably test him a lot more Um, and I we knew coming into the game that Anthony Richardson wasn't going to be throwing the ball around I mean my under 177 and a half prop hit or missed by like six yards so you know, it didn't shock me how the secondary played, but uh, because Florida's pass offense is so bad. But overall, uh, the, the secondary, I think, is still in a good spot. Uh, yeah, and it was Mike Staklasa asked later about Makai Garner. He said, is Makai Garner good? I just don't hear his name a lot. And I think if you're a corner and you don't hear your name a lot, that's a great thing. Um, and yes. someone shared some PFF stats that We've talked <clears> about. he's been doing really well this year. So that – that has turned into a guy who you liked his film coming out of UL when you watched it. And he has been yeah. um, very, very good for them this year. I saw him have a moment with Billy Napier after the game. He said that Napier, obviously, without Napier bringing him out of Juco to UL, he never would have ended up at LSU. And um, and now he's having a really great uh, run at things. Um, Cairo Tiger, what linebackers do you see starting against Ole Miss? I see Penn and Baskerville starting. <clears throat> and then he kind of just asked about the game plan to stop Ole Miss defensively, which is really – kind of uh we'll bite that on wednesday as yeah we'll bite into more of that this week but um i think pin and and baskerville yeah i I mean they've been kind of the the main ones for the past couple past two games i'd say uh baskerville obviously we've seen him continue to ratchet up how much his usage percentage uh pin is playing a lot as well yeah i think that's a starting linebacker duo this week pretty comfortable i never i mean i don't know 
Ole Miss is a little bit more, just real, real quickly, Ole Miss is a, a little, is a lot more run-centric this year than they were last year. So you're not looking at, like, you're not going into this game the same way you look, went into uh, Mississippi State or even Tennessee. With I mean, Zach Evans back there, they can really run the ball. So Greg Penn will play a good amount. And, I, I and that Perkins freshman even, running back that they have. Yeah, they got some dudes. <laughs> they got some dudes that can run the ball uh, for Ole Miss. That, that much I do. On a surface level, that much I do know about Ole Miss, and I've obviously watched them a good amount, but it, it's different when you're preparing for them. So, uh, Yeah, Quinchon Judkins, uh, 121 carries, 720 yards, 10 touchdowns. Zach Evans, 100 carries, 600 yards, 7 touchdowns. So you've got yeah. two really good backs that are already popping off about yeah. 6 yards a carry. So yeah. I think people think Ole Miss and think Lane Kiffin too and think just like, oh, they got a transfer quarterback, Jackson Dart. They're going to just throw it all over the yard. That's not there. They will want to run the football. So that's going to be a big thing. I don't think Weeks played it all at Florida, so he must be hurt. Did he play? I believe he isn't. I believe he – I heard he's injured. I don't – I didn't look into it, though. Okay. Um, Let's see. Where are we at with the next Uh, one? Yeah, I think think defensively we'll get into more of that later in the week. Yes, for sure. Uh, Tiger Cycling. Um, Maybe I said that wrong. After watching the tape, was this more Denbrock skimming up, uh, shorter, more effective passing routes for the wide receivers? Um, we mentioned this already, but yeah. Uh, and then the second question is, any NFL roster practice squad potential for Josh Williams if he keeps playing this way? Uh, to answer the first one we talked about already, I don't think – I really – I didn't see a lot. There were still a lot of short hitch routes, a lot of short out routes. I mean, I didn't see anything crazy as far as scheming up players open, really. I mean, there were – I just I'm gonna continue to give credit to Jane Daniels, and then the second part, uh, Josh Williams practice squad NFL rosters. I have no clue um, if and how players make practice squad. I mean, I would assume he could make a practice squad. I just don't know uh, well enough. But yeah, he's been really good this year for us. Yeah, that's all I know. No doubt, he's playing very well this year. When they've needed some tough yards, he'll go and get them for him. So that that has been very key for him. Yeah. Um, let's see. But yeah, shout out Josh Williams. He got the game ball too from Brian Kelly, yes. which is big time. Um, do you think LSU can be effective in the run game as Auburn was versus Ole Miss from St. Louis Tiger 10? I had this game. We'll, on see. The- <clears throat> we'll see. I mean, I think I go back to what I said. I think their identity in the run game is more a put you away with it than it is we're going to be able to lean on it from start to finish. I just don't think they block very well in the run game, and I don't think they have a back yet. Yes, Josh Williams has been really good. Yes, yeah. Noah Kane, I mean, uh, Noah Kane's run hard when he's kind of got in there. Armani Goodwin's hurt. John Emery's back and is kind of starting. You see the flashes from him, but I, I haven't seen enough to believe that that's what they're going to lean on to beat a team. I think that's more to ice a game or, or make sure that you can kind of control the clock and put a team away. Yeah, um, I saw a little bit of the Auburn Ole Miss game. Um, I I don't I did not see the stats, so excuse me if I'm wrong. But I thought Bixby got off on a couple runs that I saw. But uh, we'll get into more Ole Miss prep um, as the week continues. All right, we can keep running this, uh, run through the rest of these kind of quicker. I didn't even realize we're at 30 minutes already. Um, okay, that's not a question. Yeah, you answered that on the board. Is Ole Miss a legit top ten team? I personally don't think so yet. Also, how crazy no. is that we win this game? Um, I don't think so. I mean, what is it? TCU, UCLA. I haven't. I'd have to go back. I well, I, I don't care anything about rankings. I think are they a? I think the better way to view this is are they? 
an elite team. Like it's you see seven and zero, and you're like, oh damn! But they've beaten Kentucky and Auburn. That's it. I mean that they haven't yeah. played anybody else. They're about to play LSU, A and M, Bama, State, Arkansas. Like they haven't played anybody yet. So and. Yeah. And I'm not banging on Ole Miss. Like, Ole Miss fans know this, and Lane Kiffin has said this multiple times. Like, don't fall for – I don't want my team falling for the rat poison of 7-0 and right now. We have a lot of big games coming that – they have a really backloaded schedule. I'll say that. Rat poison. Rat poison. Shout out Lane Kiffin and rat poison. Shout out rat poison. Shout out Lane Kiffin. Shout out Juice Kiffin, the dog that's apparently their mascot now. Big yeah, you got to – yeah, you gotta start a Twitter for your your dogs. That's what you gotta do. There They're go. around. They're... <laughs> they just make it onto our pod. They just use our Twitter and that's yeah, it. yeah. There you go. Um. All right. Let's see. Uh, pick one guy who needs to step up Saturday for LSU to pull off the upset. Oh gosh, I haven't even started thinking about. I, I oh man, remember when last week I, I hit on Damian Ramos, my dude, yeah. and I passed I passed though on Kayshawn. I know. And that was my bad because I said, you know what? I'm off it until he does it. And then he did it. I'll go. uh, This is not my pick for the week, but I'll go Kayshawn. Okay. But really, the reality is if if Jaden Daniels plays well, that's what's taking you the furthest. Yeah. um, I'm going to abstain until our Friday podcast because I don't know. I want to say like stopping the run would be nice. So like one of the interior guys, Makai Wingo, um, who I thought had some really good moments. Uh, last week, but uh, yeah, something like that. Um, let's see. Roy Hobbs, yeah, Roy Hobbs. Uh, Emory Jones man, the right tackle spot admirably this season, but his PFF grades aren't great. The last three games. What do you think his long term future is considered? Um, what do you think his long term future is considering he's supposed to be a guard? Uh, who do you see starting a right tackle next year? Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, I think bumping him to a guard is probably the likely solution, right? But also, Miles Frazier has been pretty damn good, and he's still pretty young. Uh, Dellinger has been pretty damn good, and he's young. So, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, I don't think. Do you? Um, I mean, unless there's an expectation Zaylon's heard would come in as a true freshman and be starting at the tackle spot, which really just puts you back in a situation for a second year in a row where you're starting true freshman at the tackle spots. I don't know. Maybe they go to the transfer portal. And if there is a like Tyler Steen out of Vanderbilt's been starting at Alabama and has been yeah. very good. Like if you can go find a starting tackle who's done it, that would help to move Emory Jones inside. Um, but that's, that's a future Shay, uh, or actually that's a future Brian Kelly worry. Nothing for today. A future um, Shay worry. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. I mean, that's my man. We got five games left here. I wouldn't worry too much. I'll say this. Yeah. I think they're riding Emory Jones these final five games and taking the lumps. Like, people are also saying, like, oh, man, he's grading out low on PFF or he's like missing on guys. Like, bro, everybody, every team they play knows that they are starting true freshman at offensive tackle and they are putting their best players onto Emory Jones and will gamble yeah. at times. So, yeah, those guys are going to take lumps because they're playing against D linemen that are – two and three years older than they are and have been in the college program a lot longer than they are and are very talented. So yeah. I think this year I'm cool with Emory Jones, whatever grade PFF gives him and whatever 
lumps he has to take because that is going to make him better. Like those live bullets are going to make him so much better for year two. And I don't, and then it won't matter if he's playing tackle or guard. Yeah. Um, not for nothing. I also didn't think Will Campbell or Anthony Bradford played great. Just watching the tape. I didn't think either one of them was, was great uh, either. I'm shocked Will Campbell was even able to play. So shout out to Will Campbell. Yeah, that's I mean, true. It's true. Three nights in the hospital and he turns around and plays the next weekend. <laughs> yeah. Like, be that's a, a beast a lot tougher than i am i would have i would still be in the hospital no i'd still be in the hospital um no. and, and he seems to be doing well so it's great for him yes yes uh let's, let's, let's rip through these got. next two real quick uh tiger bait tiger bait asked two questions uh jay bramlett seems to have a strong leg do you think he they should try him at kickoff uh probably not i don't know i'm not i i trust brian polian at least to evaluate who can kick the ball the farthest so um i'm gonna say no on that one I don't know if you have anything on that. <laughs> yeah, I would think my goal would be kicking it out of the end zone every time, so I would be choosing whoever can do that. Yeah. Uh, his second question, what's happening with Javen Nicholas? Uh, haven't seen him on the kickoff lately. Have I just missed him? I don't have an answer for that one. No. It, is he the, He's the true freshman that was on punt returns, too, or like in camp, yes. right? Yeah. I, I don't know if I've seen him at all. No. No. It looks like maybe Greg Clayton beat him out. So uh, yeah, it really it does. Probably. That's what happened, probably. Jay Reyes one six five zero asked, uh, "What is your thoughts on the Perkin, Harold Perkins fumble getting reversed?" I thought it was the wrong call. I thought I, I thought, thought it was, was the wrong call. call. I thought it was a fumble. Urban Cheerios. Um, this is long. One of the, one of the biggest adjust, adjustments with was the RPOs and call the runs for Daniels instead of dropping back and scrambling. Yes, we talked about that. Uh, this has to be a bigger part of our offense moving forward, right? QB depth is thin. Um, but it seemed to keep Florida off balance and really help him. Okay, so he he paired a rant with just asking right, and so we'll we'll answer. Uh, yeah, I think it's a bigger part of the offense going forward. I I like I said, I think it's a huge reason why they had a lot of success is they were able to run Daniels effectively. They had RPOs that helped him get open. So um, yeah, thought it was really good uh, from Denbrock and company on that. I do too. I thought the Denbrock and them putting more of that in was solid because even in the Tennessee loss, like I thought that was some of the stuff that they did well. And certainly at Auburn uh, the week prior. So I like the RPO stuff. I think Daniels runs it well. Um, yeah. Uh, alignment. LSU had success running the ball outside a few times. Wonder if they'll do that more often. Uh, did you see that when you watched it back? Were they running it? I think people were complaining that they were running just dives up the middle and that was like their run game. I didn't think the run game was that much more dynamic. I mean, I didn't think they changed up the calls really much Fair. at all. Um, at, at least, I mean, on the short short down situ- situations, it was the same call um, that they've been running. So <clears throat> I didn't think it was anything crazy. Maybe a, a John Emery player too that I that I can think of off the top of my head. They they were able to get it and he bounced. I like throwing to him. That's paid yes. off now on multiple times, like wheel yeah. routes or dump offs. That's paid off. Um, Coachella asked about the Kelly more involved in play calling with a play sheet. Again, we're recording this before he talks. We already talked about this before at the start of the podcast. I mean, someone's going to ask him today about that, but I think that was more of just like yeah, a, sh- a little card with some things written down that he was wanting to pay attention to during the game. And he's already, as Matthew said, he's already heavily involved in it from the start anyways. And he's on the you know headset the whole time. So I don't think he was more involved than probably normally is. Uh, Tiger Ranch, Mason Smith, update post-surgery, please. We don't really have an update there. I mean, I think you're just going to have to wait until after the season and see how he's progressing. And uh, But he's out there. I've seen him. He's walking around. He looks fine. So, um, you know, when you have an injury like that, it's 
he's not back running or anything like that right now. So it's all just about staying off it and letting it heal up uh, in terms of his ACL and the injury he had. Uh, this might be the last one. Someone asked. You got one? No, I was going to ask what else that was. Um, someone said LSU. I'm assuming this is LSU Houston, HOU. Uh, how are the true freshman DBs progressing? Are they getting any regular run during the games and or special teams? Are they planning on taking red shirts? Are there any players left from the state in 22 that might enter the portal and want to come back to LSU? Uh, I have no idea on that portal question. That's I'd have to go digging across rosters all over. But um, the, whatever progressions, correct me if I'm wrong, Maddie B, that the freshman DBs are having, which would be Jordan Allen, LaTerrence Welsh, Jalen Davis Robinson, are happening at practice because they don't play. Um, yeah. I would assume all three are headed for red shirts, and that was the goal when you took a ton of older transfer DBs was play them, redshirt the young guys, let them come along. Because remember, this was a team that returned two DBs from last year's team, right? Darius Jones and Demarius McGee. Neither of them are playing this year. Won't be shocked if neither of them are even on the team a year from now. Maybe they will be, but neither of them are on the field this year, like, yeah. and won't be at all. So I would, I would redshirt those guys too. You've I'm still – I'm still very high on Jordan Allen and LaTerrence Walsh. And I think Jalen Dav- Davis-Robson has has upside. I mean, uh, he was, he's a fast player, and I, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. I heard really good things about him out of uh, fall camp even. So you, I'm, I'm still really high on those three, really, really high. So I, I, don't want, I don't want people to think, oh, they're not playing as freshmen and we have all these transfers in here. Why, you know, they can't be good. I just don't think that's that's reasonable thinking at all. They're gonna they're all very very talented. Will they work out? I don't know, but I think they're all very talented and have a good shot at working out. I thought you were gonna say you had heard good things about Davis Robinson coming out of Waxahashie. I was like, look at my oh yeah, that too. The, the Waxahashie insider knowledge guys. dropping it on us. Those are my guys. Those are my guys. <clears throat> one guy. One guy. Those one guy. person <laughs> there is my friend. I don't. That's know all it takes. Talking. That's all it takes, right? <laughs> Oh man, that, okay, that's it. I didn't see a page two, so no, that's be it. all the that's questions it. in the mailbag. That's it. <clears throat> thank you all for your questions, um, and thank you to everyone. We only had one rant in there. Typically, yes. we're dealing with about thirty rants. That by the time we've done the reading of the question, we realized there was no question. This is just someone very upset. Yes, that's what we tried to filter. And out. shout out that might have been Bourbon and Cheerio. Shout out because at least on his rant. He did comma right question mark right? and turned the rant into a question, which is at least playing by the rules. It's a very veteran move, I feel like, on his part to be like very veteran. Right, right question. I did ask a question. Um, all right, so where are we at? We've got we'll have a recruiting pod coming out this week um, yep. with me and Billy, and then you can check back for me and Matthew for the Ole Miss LSU preview pod. Yeah, that'll be coming I'm, on Friday. Might take a. Uh, might take a basketball Q and A one, maybe. Might do that right. for Thursday. We'll see. We'll see. I'm the. I'm. I'm still working. It might. Might. Might be next week, but we'll see. Stay tuned for that. Yes. Stay tuned for that. We'll see. I'm trying to work some things out. But yeah, there you go. That's all we have for y'all today. We hope y'all enjoyed the episode. Subscribe on YouTube. Leave a like, comment, and share. We appreciate all that support. Uh, you follow us on Instagram. You follow us on Twitter. Right below. Right there. Uh, Facebook as well. And uh, yeah, 
for Shay Dixon, I'm Matthew Bruni. Hope you all have a good one, and we'll talk to you all later. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.